0: and here are mm. 200 options and yeah. it's
1: i think that's like what a great place to start because as soon as someone says like hey do you know any figurative artists my mind goes blank yeah like it literally empties out yeah there's nothing in that room in the memory yep. palace it's
2: so. so nice we have <laughs> these like brain extension tools like computers and phones Yeah. Yes. Yes. thank <laughs> god instagram which is like half my yeah. brain at yeah. this yeah. point
3: it's the only way um, i can survive no <laughs>
2: now i'm gonna laugh at myself okay hey friends welcome to field pod this is a field projects podcast focused on art activism and our thoughts on living a good life i'm chris racinello and i'm the co-director of field projects along with jacob Rhodes. today on the podcast we have a very special guest melissa joseph our summer open call guest curator who is a brilliant artist and independent curator herself We talk about her experience curating the open call, the trends that she noticed, and then we pivot to discuss her life and art practice, including the current exhibition at Soloway Gallery, featuring her father's photographs of his patient's gallbladders, death, art, longing, materials, and the archaeological record, plus Melissa's upcoming exhibition and thoughts on the art world. But first, Jacob and I review the last two weeks of shows we've seen and gone to and talk about what's been happening in our lives. We then wrap things up with a list of shows to go see right now. So, if you've been enjoying the podcast, please do like and subscribe, and if you feel super adventurous, just leave us a review below. You should also be sure to check out the show notes for our list of shows to go see with links to the gallery and artists' websites. Okay, here's the show. Hey, Jacob.
0: Hey, Chris, what's up? What's been going on since (laughs) we last saw? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like you and I are in a different place. What do you think?
2: We are in a different (laughs) fucking place. (laughs) I'm I'm excited to talk to you about your week.
0: Mm, I'm also excited to hear about your week because (laughs) you, you did all sorts of stuff.
2: Listeners, Jacob is like smiling. Like he's going to murder me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Genuinely excited about all the things that you're going to share. <laughs> so,
2: we just walked to Art Shack with Jacob's daughter. Yep. And saw a little show that was there. And uh, what were your thoughts on that show?
0: I thought. Okay, so Art Shack is a, a ceramic shop slash ceramic uh, gallery.
2: Yeah, so they're showing Ghislaine Sabidi right now in the front, in the gallery section.
0: They were small sculptures made out of uh, ceramics. Some of them were painted. Some of them are, <clears> are <throat> black, and other ones have a couple other kind of pop Glazes colors. on Glazes, them. Yes. And,
2: mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good.
0: Yeah, it was very helpful.
2: So uh, we haven't talked for two weeks on the podcast, actually, so we should ah. really catch up. Yeah. What did
0: you do? I have no idea. In the order that you
2: fucking <laughs> did
0: it, don't get anything incorrect. Okay. I, well, there's one thing that I want to talk about that I saw, which is over, which we I went to the last day of, but I was really impressed by, and it was a, um, it was at Shin Gallery, and it was basically, um, the owner's own personal collection of drawings in one room, which were like historical, drawings, um, and. It's a 10th anniversary of Shin Gallery. There's three rooms. The front room is a collection of drawings from that are mostly historical drawings. Uh, Egon Schiele, um, some young British people and a bunch of other kind of miscellaneous drawings, Dutch masters and stuff like that. Um, Second room is a recreation of his living room including a table with a Chris Burden sculpture on it, uh, Marcel Duchamp, or his, his books, and, like, several years of art forum in on shelves, notes to himself on the wall, paintings hung on the walls, um, carpets on the floor, and uh, it was just a very... You get to kind of, like, be in his living room with him. And he's in the room working on his laptop doing gallery stuff. The third room has a portion of his painting collection, which is mostly contemporary with a couple mm-hmm. others that are historical. Cool. It was kind of a celebration of what they, of maybe him, I guess. Yeah. 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 But it,
2: that makes sense. That's cool.
0: Yeah. It was enjoyable. It was great. And I got to sit there and ask him like, who's this? What's this? <laughs> Where'd you get that Chris Burton piece? And, uh, and I got to kind of be like, that's a 1960, no wait, what was it, 1970-something. And he was like, that is correct. And, then I, and I felt very good.
2: We didn't get to talk about the last two <coughs> weeks, so what else did you do besides uh, Shin Gallery?
0: I went to New Museum and I saw the Faith Ringgold American People show. Um, which included quilts. She's kind of, or at least I came to her through this book called Tar Beach,
3: mm-hmm.
0: which is a, <clears throat> a kid's book. She's just got several quilts that have these different stories and she has this like fictional uh, character who is, <coughs> is supposed to be her. It were, has aspects of her life, but goes to France and um, writes letters back to somebody and so the quilts are images that are that she's painted on canvas and then quilted onto a quilt onto an actual quilt mm-hmm. and then there's there's letters around the edges that this person has been sending to their mom and
2: that's very up your alley yes it's definitely this, like imaginary life that's being communicated through a quilt
0: yeah this thing that she mm-hmm.
2: was oh that's so great like
0: that's uh, Gertrude St- Stein's salon, and mm-hmm. there sh- you know there she is, and there's a lot of other uh, people of color that she's including. Like she's making a, a sort of alternate universe of
2: if history had been inclusive or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> or if she... I love the blue wall, actually. Yeah, Not that that quilt is on. That's very your blue. <laughs> You own this blue. This blue belongs to Jacob This is Eves
0: Klein's blue too, which belongs to me. Um,
2: AKA ultramarine
0: people. Oh, that's nice. It was a beautifully curated place.
2: Jacob is showing me this video of a bunch of fucking people in the new museum looking at these quilts.
0: But it's in that, I think that was the fourth floor where it's got this really high ceiling and they painted the whole wall this deep blue. Is that
2: the only floor that was open?
0: Nope. There was, um, here's another thing.
2: Scary, terrifying. (laughs)
0: Um, there was other floors that had other quilts, but there was other works too. She made these like abstract works that look like when we came across them, I was like, oh wait, this is like a, this is like some hipsters (laughs) work from today. (laughs) But, um know she's um,
2: just ahead of her time she just wow look at those really wild fuck stuff. those are so scary i love she made them. a bunch of stuff with like masks oh what and... are how do we describe this they're not puppets but they're stuffed people
0: <laughs> yes they're like people-sized puppets sort of um wow. talking about colors and yeah um she made these, so she, one of the things that she did that I thought was really interesting is that she decided on a certain kind of, uh, set of colors that would I- express what it is to be an abstract sort of portrait of a, of a black American. And hmm. she sort of, and oh, she, those, she pushed these. portraits
2: those. were amazing. I really like these.
0: They're really, they're really beautiful. And those colors just really appealed to me. Yeah. Um, um, and she's sort of most famous for these posters, uh, that she made,
3: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and also made paintings, but like these very graphic, and like these are the colors that she thought of as the the Black Power movement colors and stuff. She just did a lot of interest work.
2: Cool. Yeah, I love those portraits. The doll things are just fucking horrifying, but in a really good way. And uh, yeah, yeah.
0: It's funny because they they everything looks not everything most. Most of the work looks very contemporary.
2: You know, the reason that I found out about her work was because I was in undergrad and somebody just like left a catalog with her work sitting around. Oh, cool. You uh-huh. know, yeah. um, are, were there any other cool shows that you went to?
0: There was. I just can't remember. <laughs> Terry Goldberg, you said Oh, earlier? yeah. Terry Goldberg. Um, We did go to see that. And that was, um, it was a group show. Um, and it was sort of the, it's called Ordinary Instance. It's got Wallace Dibble, Chelsea Kirk, Kirky, Jessica Francis Martin, Jay Miriam, William Schabel, Daphne Sweet, and Lauren Torres. And I, there was a couple great pieces in there. And there was, for me, there was a, there was a, a lot of misses, but I, I think these are all. Or I got the impression that these were all. How long artists.
2: is it open for? It's
0: open till July eighth.
2: Cool. So people can actually go see that because the Faith Ringgold and the Shin Gallery are done, right? Yes. yes.
0: <laughs> so you get two you can't go see one when a- you can. <laughs> <laughs> ha
2: <Ha-ha>, ha! Suckers. <laughs> all right.
0: What did you do this last couple of weeks?
2: Um, I did not a lot of art things, but that's not true because I. I'm always doing art shit, I guess. Um, I went to a baseball game. I went to a minor league baseball game, which was crazy. It was filled with children. But I went because I wanted to see Chelsea Whitmore play. And she did not actually end up playing, but I did get to see her briefly. And she's the first woman to play in an MLB league um, professional baseball. So it's just super cool.
0: So is this the first presenting woman to play yes in baseball. it's the first
2: woman identifying person to play professional baseball at the mlb level okay. she's playing on the seahawks which is the staten island team that just formed this year so it's also their first year playing so they got the shit kicked out of them by the ducks but <laughs> <laughs> um but you know it was great there were a ton of home runs it was a fun game. Um, cool. so that's a not art related thing. Mm-hmm. I also you know, you know this, but I played baseball as a kid so it's very close to my heart. It yeah. was it was really hard growing up playing baseball, presenting as a woman, uh, pitching and doing travel league and whatever
0: in an all-male yeah dominated. Yeah. yeah you were also were you the only? yeah oh
2: yeah Yeah. (laughs) I was like the only woman ever when I was very little there was one other girl who played for one year um but that was it and I did try to play softball and it is not the fucking same so especially because I'm a pitcher you know yeah what am I supposed to do with that anyways so I did that um I taught my first two Iconoclash courses
0: congratulations for New York
2: City Crit Club
0: and yep. g- tell them, well, tell them what the class is about, because it's really interesting.
2: Is it that interesting? I don't know. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I hope it's interesting. <laughs> I, um, so the class is, I mean, we've talked about it a little bit already on the podcast, but, mm. um, I had my first class that we actually went somewhere. So we went to the 9-11 Memorial yesterday on Saturday morning. Well, basically, just to give a a rundown of what iconoclash is, iconoclash is the idea that um, there's not just iconoclasm and iconophilia. There's also, um, like, everything in between. We talked a lot about spolia and repurposing materials. Um, Spolia is, like, the spoils of war and whatever. Um, So, like, disassembling monuments and then putting them back together, like the Triumphal Arch of Constantine. Um, is a really great example of that but then basically we every week start a special topic in the ancient or medieval world somewhere and we slowly work our way up into the present to the place that we're at so we started with thinking about Christian pagan relationships um, and how it's much more complicated than the very simple narrative that's been made about image destruction about christians destroying ancient roman monuments Mm -hmm. and that actually it's much more of a spectrum and that because christianity was originally oppressed there was kind of survival tactics where christians incorporated pagan iconography like pagan imagery into their artwork so like there's the good shepherd which is this representative of christ is still around today you could still buy like postcards with jesus with some like sheep on his shoulders or whatever right that actually originally was a specific type of representation of hermes that was appropriated and they would put it into catacomb paintings in order to essentially like covertly communicate that this was a christian space or things like that right so um so we kind of began with talking about that We moved into looking at a couple of case studies of like different um, types of iconoclash. So that included destruction, but also repurposing and also preserving. So we talked about like the Serapeum in Alexandria, which is this really important temple that was destroyed in a riot, basically. But we kind of unpacked like through looking at Peter Brown's work on the subject and also with my own thoughts on it, how it's a much more complicated narrative than a narrative of simple riot and destruction because the site had been contested for this is alexandria in egypt it contained part of the alexandrian library it was a temple to the god serapis Um, that's why it's called the Serapeum. so just to wrap that up neatly we we ended up talking about how one of the reasons that site was so contested is that after the third romano jewish war it became a site where Christians and Jews were being sold into slavery at the site of that temple. So even though Constantine says, you know, my mother-in-law went here and uh, I don't want it to exist anymore, basically, and the riot was incited sort of with his blessing, it has a much longer, more complicated history. And we're using those kind of case studies to talk about how in the present, monuments are sites with long extended social histories like this and that you can see that playing out through the ways that people interact with public art um, so we like talked about the Bamayan Buddhas that were blown up by the Taliban in 2001 you know and then we talked about the Chinese couple that like paid to have a projection made into this empty space and we talked a lot about emptiness and presence and the impossibility of really destroying monuments in public Um, And so we were at the 9-11 memorial and we really came to like a nice, I feel like my class had such a great discussion because they wrapped everything up super neatly for me in that we were able to kind of think about the towers as these figurative projections that now have these kind of empty gaps in the same way that the Bamiyan Buddhas have been left with these empty niches that are almost like sarcophagi or coffins and that you can't really destroy the kind of image of the thing there. It just proliferates, right? Now we have all of these souvenirs of 9-11 materials. Mm-hmm. Um, we have all of these Bamiyan Buddha representatives. And so it was just, it was a very good discussion. And it was kind of around questions about absence and abstraction and emptiness.
0: Cool. Yeah. I mean, that sounds amazing. You started off by saying, was it a good class? I'm not sure. <laughs> but all of those, that I- all sounds really quite present and quite important right now, but also seems like it always be and always has been.
2: It's definitely, this is a subject that feels particularly close to my, like, personal interests and wants for my career, um, both as an artist and as an art historian. Mm -hmm. Like, wanting to, I'm really sick of art history being, like pretending that it's neutral in some way. Um, And I'm really tired of just like traditional forms of doing art history. That's why I wanted to do this kind of field trip oriented class where we actually go out and go to monuments and sites and talk about history together in person mm-hmm. at a site yeah. where we can actually experience it, right? Like we started the class out drawing and we tried to draw negative space and none of us could do it. <laughs> <laughs> we tried to make these negative space drawings of something. do you know what the survivor tree is? No. So there's this tree that's at the 9-11 site. And basically it's the mythology of the tree is that it was like found uprooted at the base of all of the wreckage of the twin towers. Wow. Really? And then, it was given to the park service and they rehabilitated it and then Uh, replanted it. And now it's like strapped down like some crazy bondage tree into the ground. Um, (laughs) and so we were like, we started out and I was like, I want us to start by thinking about absence and emptiness. So can we draw this tree without drawing the tree and none of us could do it, which I think was a really good Mm. sort of entry into everything that we discussed. Yeah. 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 So Uh, those were kind of two things that I did this week. I mean, I did lots of other stuff. I mm -hmm. don't know. I went to the cloisters. I, what else did I do? I don't know. You know, getting, getting the fucking ball rolling on working on stuff that's coming up for this summer.
0: Oh yeah. And, um, yeah, because you're doing that conference, but didn't you like, isn't there, wasn't there like a, a big thing that happened?
2: Oh, I quit my job. I finally <laughs> left. Friends, I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> I um I feel both sad and excited that I left the medieval gallery, Les Nunes, where I did a podcast for them as well. Um,
0: and you were there for how long?
2: Over five years. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot of really valuable lessons about dealing in medieval art working with medieval art objects but ultimately I do feel that it's the just best decision that I made to leave so I feel excited and I feel free and I feel like I'll finally have writing and studio time again because I've been really struggling with not having enough um, creative output time or product whatever productivity time Um, you know and that that sucks
0: well, that's great congratulations and that's also Thanks. a that's a very long time or a good amount of time to be with a company too
2: i think so i feel like i learned everything i could learn yeah you know um and it was then a question of like if i stay am i going to try to take over this company or if i should i just leave and i think the answer is i just leave yeah you know um yeah what was the face you just made
0: <laughs> I like that your your two possibilities are in anything is do I take over this or do I get a, or or do I I leave it be and go try and take over somewhere else?
2: Does that tell you something about <laughs> how do
0: I dominate this thing? Yeah. <laughs> um. Cool. Well, that's our weeks then.
2: I yeah. Think. You met Jug Root, didn't you?
0: Yes, our new resident at Field. I have Field not resident. met him yet. He is wonderful. That's great. <laughs> He's super Yay. sweet. Uh. uh you know, really polite, fun, playful, smart,
2: and he's moved into the residency space.
0: And he has moved into the residency space, and I kept trying to get him to come out with me to go see shows. And he was very serious about getting everything set up. Yeah, <laughs> which was that's okay. Which was also a one. Yeah, yeah, which was I was like, and that's why we picked you. <laughs>
2: yeah. Did you go to the show that was below the gallery?
0: No, I didn't go.
2: Oh, to you that. didn't. No, no. Okay, I thought you might have. Um, what? Where was that again?
0: That was at Morgan Lehman. Okay. And yeah, yeah. Um, So the open call is closed When you're hearing this Thank you everybody for sending us your work We really actually enjoy And look at everything that you send us We spend a lot of time Going through and trying To give each Applicant a fair amount of time Because we, as we've always said Are also artists and who have sent Work into open calls And um, have been on the other end And we we respect what you're doing, and we thank you for submitting your stuff to us.
2: Yeah, and I mean, I, as I've said many times before, I apply to things a lot, and I've never gotten into anything for art, ever. I've never gotten into an open call show. I've only been asked to do shows, I think. That's the only time that I've had shows. Um Mm but I've never applied and like gotten something.
0: Don't you have a solo show coming up oh my this God. <laughs> this summer?
2: <laughs> I do. Yes. Cool. With Home Gallery? Wanna Will tell Chan. Us Will Chan. He's awesome. Yes. Uh Will is really amazing. Oh, it was just uh June 4th. So I remember Will has been posting a lot about the Tiananmen Square massacre that happened. Yeah. And if you don't know about it, you should go look it up. He's just put out a lot of important information about it yeah i mean i this was just such a like important reminder seeing will put all of these posts out there because i feel like this is not an event that's so much in the social consciousness of like americans all the time but this was like such a fucking horrible massacre of people like hundreds to thousands. We don't know all of the numbers because China doesn't want us to know all of the numbers. Like hundreds to thousands of people died
0: during Uh, this massacre. And this is, this was It was a student protest also,
2: which is another thing that feels close to me.
0: It was a student protest just to talk to the government about the possibility of a different form of government. It It wasn't even... That like that's all it was was just like hey we would like to talk to you about maybe having democracy like a different version yeah. of comedy, anything and they gathered into
2: Tiananmen Square. Tiananmen
0: Square, thank you. <laughs> and uh, pe- then people just started flocking to them and they they uh, like slept there, stayed there.
2: Yeah, it was sort of a um, Occupy Wall Streety style yeah. protest.
0: And there's a famous image from here that is a man holding bags, like shopping bags, standing in front of a tank. That. Um, oh yeah. That you may recognize. Yeah. I was. Uh, I remember this happening, and it was it was a huge worldwide shock um, that they basically went in there and just killed all sorts of everybody who was there, and then went and killed their families. Yeah,
2: I mean, they went and executed people who were, quote-unquote, executed. Really, they just fucking murdered these people for just being at the protests.
0: But also their families, like their families that, you know, that they weren't there. They just were related to them. It was... Yeah, it was a sort of annihilation of anything that tried to stand up.
2: And it's still hard to even be allowed to talk about this today for anyone in China. Um, And that's kind of the point of why publicizing information about it is so important. And keeping it in the social consciousness is really important because the Chinese government does not want people to remember this event. And it doesn't want to be questioned, so... So you talked to me about Will. I immediately deflected and (laughs) talked about this, which seems much more important than me having a fucking anything. A solo show, yeah, which
0: is great. Um, Congratulations on the solo show, and it's—I imagine it's going to be politically motivated. (laughs) (laughs) Look,
2: not all of my work is—I mean, Wait, wait a minute. Okay, all. Okay, first of all, all art is political. Let's just be clear, we're making capitalist objects in a consumer society. It's inherently political to make these kind of things. That being said, the content of the work itself will be sort of politically motivated, exploring the patriarchal bullshit attached to... The founders of the United States um, and their association with and en- endorsement of enslavement in the United States. So it will be paintings, it will be objects. I don't know. I'm hoping to make a library. We'll see. Um, an accessible library for people to have access to.
0: Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, we look forward to. Uh an update on that and you'll have
2: lots of essays to read and Jacob I'm sure you'll get to hear me verbally say those essays to you just like I just explained my class
0: (laughs) (laughs) the way that I learn is just by sitting next to Chris and letting her talk
2: (laughs) (laughs) we have Jugroot is in Um, come visit the studio if you're in you should come by and visit Elbert's show Uh, Elbert did our last talk L you know I guess we should also say in our last recording we hadn't talked about the walls but he did paint the walls how do you feel about that
0: oh it's amazing i think they're pretty amazing the painted
2: uh, walls are pretty cool
0: it really obviously changes the show completely and it is the idea that he was interested in
2: totally transforms it the paintings are great standalone but honestly the walls integrating them into the space is just so so good and you really like we're into the little guy
0: Oh, <laughs> Chad, and later was understood as Kilroy was here, which is uh, one of these little graffitis that um, sort of <laughs> went viral during World War II. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and nobody knows the real origin, but there's a, there's a couple guesses. And there, there's a, um, there's some graffiti on the wall that is part of this smaller painting. And uh, Chad is part of that. So
2: Cool. Yeah, no, I think it was great. I obviously really like the Pope Calixtus painting and the death wall. Of course. Jacob likes the comedy wall. I like the death wall. It just says a lot of shit about both of us. You're so cool.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Is that the girl in the back of the room where she just keeps her head down and her hood over her head? Oh, my
2: God. Do not bring me back to high school. (laughs) 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 Okay. Um. Anyways, you should definitely go check out the show. I recommend the Green Death Wall. Jacob recommends the Comedy Wall. We also <laughs> both love the Flower Wall with all of the we spider webs. Come, we on come it. together
0: on the Flower and Spider.
2: Webs. Yes. Yes.
0: <laughs> that makes sense. Yes. It does. It does. Yeah.
2: Okay, everyone. I hope you all had a good week. Thanks for listening. Now we're about to transition to talking about the Open Call a little bit more with you and
0: Melissa Joseph. We're gonna interview and talk to her about her own work, but also about her experience going through the open call. And what's that? And what's that like for her as a, an artist, looking at other artists' work? But she's also a curator. Yeah, Let's so you'll
2: great. get to hear a lot about what it's like to do the open call process. <laughs> okay all right let's do it
0: melissa, melissa hi texting. hey melissa can you get off your <laughs> phone very for two seconds
1: very accurate i'm always texting or <laughs> scrolling or whatever i saw, I saw the mosquito right. Ready. okay
2: awesome thanks for being here we just finished doing our second round of the open call we're Ooh. here with melissa joseph
1: Louder. Melissa Louder. Joseph. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. I do not have unlike Chris, I don't have perfect podcast
0: voice. And you have to you have to project.
1: <sighs> Hello.
3: <laughs> Your voice is okay.
0: So,
1: just Try again. A, but like, pretend that it's not there too. I'll pretend it's a
2: person. Yes, I love talking pretend to people. Pretend it's
0: yes. a puppy. You would, you would be I like,
2: love "Oh my puppies. god!" I should to... put a little face on the. Yeah. Hi. Oh my god! Should we am going this to off? do that. Hi. No, the pop filter should stay on. It
1: keeps out the, the extra noise.
2: Hi. We just did our second round of the mm-hmm. open call. Yep. Yep. Uh, you two worked mostly on the first round along with our awesome intern yesterday which i'm curious to hear about how it went
0: angelica Mm -hmm. thank you angelica thanks angelica it went
1: i think it went really well yeah okay we had many hundred applications and we we have to narrow it down to very few applications and this is a challenge but i think after yesterday i felt encouraged that it was possible
0: yeah no you did a great job Mm -hmm. and um yeah how was the experience of, of going through all of this work, though?
1: It was it was a lot. I haven't done anything like this in a little while. I curated mm-hmm. an open call in 2020, 20 maybe, mm-hmm. in January. That was, like, the last time I did something like this.
3: A decade ago. <laughs> it feels <laughs> like. Yeah, right?
1: Um, it was a show I co-curated with my friend Emmett at Amos Eno Gallery, and we called it Typos, oh, cool. Spills, and mm-hmm. Broken Glass. And it was about, like, mistakes, errors, glitches, things that, like, went wrong and how you could Ah. like incorporate that into your practice awesome um and so that was the last time I don't think we got nearly as many applications as we got for your field project summer call so I have to say this was like I'm glad I had that little bit of training for this Mm -hmm. um also like I worked as an art administrator at a grant um awarding foundation so I also had experience of looking at a lot of things over time and I think like What was great about this is my life the last two years has been very much in a certain sort of niche. Like, I've been, like, in a very particular pocket of the art Mm -hmm. world. Um, And I miss this part of the art world that I used to be very, very active and engaged in and see more of. But my schedule hasn't permitted me to be as engaged with that part. So this was, like, really nice for me to see, like younger more like emerging or like less known artists and like what they're working on and then we did we identified some trends and things that like you start to see that are like temp checks for society and life and
0: post-covid yeah so what do you think of some of those trends were or what did what did you see <laughs>
1: <laughs> well so you know full disclosure we've been talking about this for a couple of days now but i mean um <laughs> the cats were around there are cats yeah. cats are real um <laughs> and i have one tattooed on my arm so i am part of the cat club um cool. i love cats I love cat art. I just bought a piece of cat art from my friend Candace Jensen at this show
2: that was up that just closed on Friday. Oh, cool. I bought work from Candace as well. At, it, it was at the Amosino show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Recalling the chimera. Yeah. I bought the birdopotamus.
1: <gasps> Beautiful. So it, it was, was the good. little circle. Do yeah, you I know. Yeah. I do. She actually told me when I went through... Um, that you had got that one. She was quite excited. Oh. And I thought that was awesome too. I got I don't know yeah. if you remember the little alphabet, but it was a little cat. Anna yeah, S. I do. So I had really loved this one piece on a piece of bark. But um you oh, know, the she bark was bark
2: one was amazing. She, she had a couple a few ones on, yeah, on there. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. The work was great, so I'm glad to give Candice a little shout. And um that show was lovely and Uh Yeah. So I anyway, cats were definitely one of the big trends. There is like this sort of intimate self-portrait that looks like a selfie genre that I think has emerged um, Mm. maybe due to COVID, sometimes with cats and dogs.
0: There was definitely a lot of
2: Interiors.
0: interiors, interiors, intimate like psychological
1: interiors and in in architectural interiors i think we're seeing um i think we saw a lot of flowers maybe maybe like not a ton but enough that we could have curated a floral show if we had wanted to Mm -hmm. um but that would be too easy of a curatorial
0: idea we don't do anything easy we don't do lazy around here um
1: (laughs) There was, um, what were some of the other things that we saw? We saw natural dyeing, like natural dye techniques showing up. A lot of textiles, because textiles have been trending for a few years now, um, and they i i actually hate saying textiles are trending because they've just always been around but textiles have only just been allowed into some of these institutional spaces as of late which people are reading as a trend right. yes. um and but the natural dyeing is be, is becoming i and also has been happening for a while cuz there's these intersectional things coming together which are you know craft craft making practices environmentalism sustainability like these things are all sort of crashing into each other all the time and like it doesn't it's
2: not surprising that
1: this work is emerging from yes
2: but to see people submitting who maybe are just out of undergrad or are still in undergrad doing natural dyeing things Mm -hmm. i think that's actually really interesting because that's the kind of institutional space that you're talking about um and you know like of course this has been around like doing natural dyeing practices has been around forever. Since the caveman. But it's also also a kind of rejection of, because a lot of natural dyes are not light fast, so it's also a rejection of, like, the need for art to be preserved forever. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: And I, you know, just, I know eventually we'll talk about my practice, but I think, like, I think a lot about this question of legacy and what does it mean anyway. And it's not something I think about, like, particularly um, when I make, because... Yeah. yeah. And I think like I appreciate that because like what what are the implications of forever? The implications of forever is just accumulation. Right. Exactly.
3: And we yeah. don't
1: necessarily like I've, I've I had a really cool conversation with some, uh, the exterminator mm-hmm. at this gallery called Soloway, where cool. I am currently. Sitting every weekend to curate this, I curated the show. of of your dad's art. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. But the exterminator (laughs) guy needs his own podcast. He was amazing. Okay, Um, and he was talking about you know like the the symbiotic relationship between ants and aphids and how the ants protect the aphids from ladybugs and like will even carry the aphids over to like a healthier leaf if their leaf that they're on is dead. All because they. I mean it's it's definitely not altruistic they want to mm-hmm. eat the aphid juice mm-hmm. um but mm-hmm. they still do it and it's kind mm-hmm. of a beautiful thing but ants in general like do make no waste you know and like they they create a lot of biomass on this planet but they don't create waste and we can oh. be sort of leaning toward that yes. we should be leaning toward that type of model yes where we are you know so then where does making art that lasts forever fit into that and it doesn't is the answer.
3: I
2: think you know like it's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately too is like the idea of human agency can be so malicious. Mm-hmm. Um and natural processes even if they're kind of terrifying and contribute to decay, there's still it feels so comforting to think there isn't the kind of maliciousness in them like yeah. right the aphids yeah. that you're talking about I don't know, that's such a, I feel very comforted by that idea. Like, if I die in the middle of the woods going for a hike, like, a fox will eat me. That sounds yeah. kind of great. That's amazing, <laughs> It would, it would right? only be
0: cute animals that would eat you, too. Yes, would, of course. Squirrels, foxes. Vultures. <laughs> yeah. Vultures, <Whatever>. yes. <laughs> I mean, what's
1: a not cute animal? A oh maggot.
3: my
2: God! Good <laughs> <laughs> no maggots are cute when you flies, look at them really yes, close. Flies, yes. But... Yes, yes.
0: No, you're right. I'm you're
2: sorry, right. maggot population, sorry. if you're listening. Oh my, you're getting canceled. <laughs>
0: getting canceled. The maggot company's coming. I wish
1: that meat didn't make you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, I'm sorry. Totally. Well, let's no. let's move into your practice though. Yeah. Okay. Well, well
2: are we, you we, sure we, you want we, to talk we, more about the process at all? Because we do, but we want to talk about your practice too. But I wanted to say too that the one thing that I wanted to tie in that I brought up earlier when we were looking at the natural dyes is just I completely missed this but at the boa repairs shop with Alex Hammond and Marnie Lucas who did this kind of death and dying collaboration with flowers doing natural dying I think is so relevant to this conversation because it's about death and decay and the object being transient and life being transient and there's a kind of like openness to what we were just talking about where there's this kind of comfort in natural processes totally
1: and I think it's just like you know like the life cycle like death is not always it doesn't have to be an end like it's this idea of people thinking that there has to be an end and like being afraid of the end but there isn't really an end because when the plants die or like the bugs like the cochineal that they use to Mm -hmm. do this beautiful pink color then they become like this other thing and then that thing will then break down and become something for you know so it it just keeps mm-hmm. going which is i i think like yeah i i don't know what the obsession with with end ending is but, the, but i think it's yeah. where the anxiety comes from yeah, yeah. for so. sure
0: and marnie described herself once to me as a death doula
3: where oh she goes and nice.
0: yes death doula is that, <laughs> and where she goes and takes care of people who are, are whose dying, lives are ending. Stewards them, sort yes. of. That's yeah. a lovely. Mm-hmm. That's like, really beautiful. Like, she's not a hospice nurse, but she's somebody who's there to help the family and yeah. to help the person along.
1: I don't want to take this to, like, a really dark place, but I don't know if either of you have ever been with someone when they died. I have been one time in my life.
2: I think we both have. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's, like, a privilege to be in, like, that that space with them at that moment um but i was really floored by the people that were working in this space and doing that on a regular basis and how they were able to read these bodies and know like it's soon like Mm -hmm. you know like we're we're there and like you know just kind of to have that kind of knowledge um in a way that's not full of sorrow or you know irrational emotionality and just kind of to be able to yeah do that stewarding mm-hmm. is what a gift that is to
2: be able to offer to someone yeah who's crossing over mm-hmm. and, and to have community support and in the united states the dominant culture has really rejected that right like we used to have the living room became the living room when it stopped being the salon and you stopped being allowed to have bodies that you're allowed yeah. to take home and be with right mm-hmm. right and, like, there's so much rejection of death in dominant American culture. Yeah. Um, and it's really just, and, and rejection of community is really what it is. It's the supremacy of the individual. Right. And everything is individual and it's shameful to die. Right. It's like a lot of the, I mean, it's true. It, yeah. There's a lot of other things around it, but that's one of the things, right? It's like, oh, your body yeah. gave up.
0: Yeah, yeah. Also, you stop
1: being <laughs> a commercial target. You can, right. you can no longer be a consumer, yeah. so you are useless. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. hashtag capitalism. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think
0: Trump would say, "Oh, he died. What a loser." Oh
1: <laughs> my!
3: <laughs> <laughs> Too soon. Too forever. soon. Too soon. But yes, but yes also yes. True.
0: yes. Um,
1: Um, But no, actually, that's maybe not a bad segue into talking about my practice because, like, a lot of my work is about grief and grieving. Um, My own father, who passed away in 2015, that's when I started becoming – that's when I stopped teaching high school art and became – like, went to grad school to get my MFA to, like, pursue this full time. It was sort of, like, for me, a moment where I had to rethink about what time I had left, knowing, you know, very much that it was finite and – investing my energy in a way that would be more fulfilling. So, um, yeah, I think, like, you will see in most of the work that I make, a lot of um, – well, maybe you won't see it, but I hope you feel it, um, that that's, like, very much part of the what's going on in there. Yeah. Mm. Um, Heartbreak, Heartbreaking – well, beautiful and sad, I think, you know, or, like, beautiful and heavy I- – Yeah, I think are, you know, things like that I try.
0: Well, can you talk about the materials that you're using? To, yeah, the felting. To, yeah, yeah for yeah, sure, sure. And also you're using ceramics and yeah. earth- found yeah. objects. And
2: you have the airplane window series of yeah. ceramics too, right? Yeah. 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 So
0: that's a lot of things you could talk about. Yeah. <laughs> maybe too many, right? I, well, yeah. I'm actually
2: really curious about why the airplane windows, because I don't know a lot about that project. But yeah. whatever you want to start with is fine. Of
1: course. Yeah, no, I think, like, maybe to start, like, farther back is better and like then i'll like talk about how things kind of it's like this like yeah you know yeah. it's like a rolling ball and things just kind yeah. of add to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. so yeah like i think i started working with images from my dad like initially not of my dad but of like his like i found in his office before he died these like before and after photos of stitches that like wounds that he had sewn up that he would like um document for himself like the before and after and they were just in an envelope in a drawer. We had to go through the whole office. And at first I just threw them away, but then I, w- I was thinking about it overnight and I called, his secretary was helping us go through everything. And I said, if, if they're not like, gone gone in the trash can I have them back and she gave them to me and I started working with those before I even went to grad school like right after he died making encaustic kind of reproductions of these four by six photos and then I would do the before and after and in the afters I actually sewed stitches into the wax um so like I was like retracing his his stitches
0: yeah um his hand yeah his hand and
1: for me that became like a really important healing process for me. I wasn't thinking yet about grad school. I was just trying to, it was a, I don't know. I mean, a lot of people struggle. I, I really was struggling um, after that loss. And I like, you know, carried a lot of yeah. guilt about not being there and things like that. So
0: I'm gonna share a funny story. I haven't yeah. actually told anybody, but um, after my mom died I went into her room and put on one of her dresses and sort of sat on the, on their bed just to sort of have that be close you know yeah and it's I think it's totally normal I think everybody does something like that
1: you and find a way to try to be close to them you're
0: just trying different things to kind of get back to that whatever that you know that thing that's lost
1: yeah for yeah. sure yeah thanks for sharing that yeah mm-hmm. um, yeah I, I it's I don't wish it on anyone but I know everyone will go through it at some point um, and I just hope they find something that can be comforting, whatever it is. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, and so, so from those, I, you know, also when we went back to the house to do kind of a similar thing, which is go through everything, I found uh, some of the photographs that we had. His Our childhood home had burned down when I was like in my tw- 30s so he and his girlfriend were in the house and they survived thank goodness but the house burned to the ground so most of our like family photos the ones that I would have like you know thumbed through as a kid in the 80s before phones before computers before internet like I would just flip through these books, and my dad's whole family is in India, so, like, we didn't see them often. These images were, like, the the only way I got to know them, other than a trip every couple of years, and, you know, I think I met my grandparents, like, four or five times before they died, you know, so um, these photos were really important. I would often be sitting, you know, just with, and, you know, pre-internet, pre-phone in the middle of rural Pennsylvania, there's a lot of downtime. So there was a lot of time (laughs) when I (laughs) would just be like, what can I do? Well, I'll flip through these pictures again. I've seen them a million times, but I'll just see if I find something new. You know, Uh like I really spent a lot of time with these albums. And um, so like the fact that they were gone and the only ones that were left from the insurance came back and it's like, Oh, this is so awesome. These are so the ones I would not have taken out of a burning house. Yeah. Mm. like they're like these peripheral ones, these sort of documentary ones that are not like yeah. the meaty ones. Yeah. So um, but I still kept those and I sort of started flipping through those again and um, and slowly they sort of uh, made their way into my into my practice. I started like re- remaking some of these these images. and then from my family, My dad's one of eight. My mom was one of nine. Um, There's a lot of, like other photos that were taken like tangentially or like you know proximal photos um that maybe have like a different angle or like a few different people but like are from the same event so we got we have regained access to some of the imagery cool. mm-hmm. but i do think like a lot of my practice now the felt the mixed media all of it is sort of like maybe an attempt i didn't think it at the time but looking back maybe an attempt to kind of recreate like that al- those albums that i lost yeah. you know huh. um so I work with these images, you know, and I was doing them in mixed media in grad school. I started with collaging, mm-hmm. like, um, materials that I, like, failed projects. I don't believe in failed projects. Like, yeah. I know, like, if you're compelled to make it, then there's, like, a kernel there, right? It, it might not work. It, so you what I would do is, like, I would find a thing, the one thing about it that was working and, like, cut that out or, like, remove that. And then, like, the rest goes into this big scrap bin of collage materials and then try to work with those pieces that work and put – those together and then slowly build up new images right. so it's like right. partly by chance but it's also each piece has that like yes thing yeah. embedded in it that the original piece was supposed to have yes. yeah. um, and then there's like you know there's these serendipitous moments where like this random thing is the perfect shape for even though it was <laughs> like I did like you know I went to PAFA for grad school so there was a lot of like you know live model like you know painting mm-hmm. from life stuff so I'm terrible at live model painting. I, I i don't enjoy it. Um <laughs> I'm <laughs> um, like
2: fuck the institution and fuck capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> no live figure painting. <laughs> Sorry. So true. But
1: when you cut some of those bad figure paintings you yeah. did apart, you find like good arms and good torsos that you can like, turn into your cousin mm, sleeping on the floor. What or, a surgeon. Yeah,
3: uh-huh. right? <laughs> ah.
1: Um, so, yeah, so, and, and then, oh, my gosh, there's so many things. Then I switched to carving stone, mm-hmm. which I also, you know, kind of love. I had this whole stint of where I thought I was going to have a social practice that was based on, like, dealing with – um you know, the violence that like this, like this horrible violence that we sort of just walk through every day, whether, but, it but, it, but for me, the problem was, it was not my necessarily my lived experience of like, of experiencing the violence on my own body or the body of my uh, immediate family, but it was just like hearing about it um, on a regular basis. And mm-hmm. it's, it's like learning about mm-hmm. what is your content and understanding that that wasn't my content but that my content is actually this other thing that's about engaging with people on like a very emotional like Level. I don't want it to, it's not about, it is about memory, but it's not about memory in a nostalgic way. It's not about memory in a way that is like trying to, I, I keep having to say this because I was like, oh yeah, memory, memory. But it's not because I'm not trying to go back there. I'm not trying to create a space where like uh, uh, make a make the statement that I think that it was better then. It's just about like revisiting them and understanding what kind of like I'm how they can like help yeah. you understand now. It's about
2: communal memory. Right?
1: Yeah, and like, it's totally communal collective ancestral. Yeah. It's definitely about that. Because when I started going through these images, yeah, like it something happens and takes over where it's about the need for these people who have never like my dad's and both and my mom's side, like my mom's Irish American, but like neither side has any sort of connection to like the art world or these any of these museums or institutions and I don't think they're necessarily represented there right. either. So, yeah, it's trying to to give them some sort of visibility and I think it's a big trigger for me as a brown woman like being invisible or being dismissed, being yeah. like ignored, not heard. Um so like I felt like one of the things that I could do was amplify these stories in some way and I try with all my might to push them out into to get other people to listen to them too so like I'm c- trying to create that pathway for there to be some some amplification of these stories that um, that are not that are not seen or that are not like you know included like it, yeah
2: yeah that is the important thing about materials though is their presence and how they force people to have to deal with them You know, I mean, we started out talking about transients and natural dyes and the open call and whatever. But there's something really powerful and necessary about contributing voices to the archaeological historical record. Yeah, right. Totally. Um, And and you should be visible, you know, in that record and making objects is a way of ensuring that you are. Yeah.
0: Can you talk about the um, the the sort of found objects that you use? Because those are also kind of. Up recycled, yeah, and and Mm -hmm. and have Mm -hmm. their own history, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely, and yeah. At the same time that I was doing these paper collage sort of versions of the what I now make in felt, which are these like I call them like an album. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) uh, The I was I also have always so I I very very like since fourth grade I have like I I had like a hard disassociative like experience where I disconnected from my body and I've never really come back so I live my life very very much not in this body very much somewhere else and so I you know it's unnerving it's uncomfortable but you kind of get used to it through COVID it became a superpower honestly (laughs) anyone who can disassociate like during COVID it helped um but i think like um what it what why these found objects are important to me is like i feel connected to certain things and i um especially like heavy metal rusted things that come from the earth things that come up from the ground
3: mm-hmm.
1: wood mm-hmm. natural natural uh, materials um yeah Elements, like yeah. Yeah. yeah and and like so I – it's not all of them. I really believe that there is, like, a calling. It's learning to listen and, like, respond to, to this, like, mm-hmm. call. And there will be things. Like, I'll pass 10 things on the street and maybe I'll pick one of them up. Maybe I'll pick zero of them up. Maybe I'll pick all of them up. You know, it just depends yeah. on the day. Yeah. So um, these are
2: coming from, like, walking and seeing and Sometimes, being. yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Or sometimes, like, I used to, like, live in a small town. So it would be, like, antique shop or thrift shops or even, like – um like, now I have this guy that I've met on Instagram. Like, I st- I don't know. I bought, like, a piece of, like, rust. Like, um, it looks like they cut the top of, like, a square steel tube off. And I liked it. And then I started looking at other stuff that he was selling. And I was like, oh, but I like that, too. And it turns <laughs> out we actually, we kind of share a brain. Um, so, like, through my, like, connection to particular objects, now I have this whole, like, new friend who oh. like um like he he and this other friend of his, who's an archaeologist, just came to my studio huh. last week to bring me all this like like 200 pounds of rusted stuff that we like co-picked all over the phone at a scrapyard oh in yes. Durham. <laughs> so like it's and like you know now Isn't I have to I know and like <laughs> the the archaeology guy is going to Turkey for three weeks to do a dig and cool. they were telling me about all these amazing scrapyards there and you just think about like the history like felting started there actually like in some of these ancient like cattle huk, which I cannot say i'm sorry but like like these early um domesticated animal civilizations where they were able to grab the wool from the animals and Mm. make these felted encasements for their yurts but then also garments and then also decorative like right it's like
2: multi-function yeah
1: but from go like they were all three things were equally important right Mm. like shelter like body but also beauty
3: and uh, yeah
1: expression also yeah and so i think like for me the felting has in it embedded so much um about you know all these things that we're talking about right like lineage like ancestral knowledge communal knowledge Mm -hmm. and it was made you needed um like 20 people to make a piece big enough to cover a year, To be mm-hmm. working in unison right. together, right. rolling at yeah. the same, you know, so much coordination. Again, like the community that we, like, away from the individual, like, idea that we were talking about. So I, I really love that, um, the history of the material. And then right. there's, like, a biblical story that the first felt was made when Joseph was, like, put some wool in his shoe and walked. Mm-hmm. And it became, you know whatever. I don't know. Whatever. It's a story. I'll take it. But I... It's like the only thing I'll take from those books are fictional stories. Well, I they're guess. kind of
0: amalgamation of a, of a lot of a lot different of yeah. stories that are going on at yeah. the time.
1: Yeah. I but I think... Like, yes. But, you know, I was raised Catholic. Both sides of my family are very devout. So I do think, like, those kinds of things are kind of, like, in my... They're part of the structure of how I view everything. So it, it is... It was not lost. I mean, I didn't hear that story and forget it, obviously. Mm. I heard it and then locked it into the memory palace, yeah. at the, the Bible room, you know? So, like, um... <laughs> the Bible room in the memory palace. <laughs> <laughs> that's really good. Um, yeah, like, I, but the, so the felting I started, I'm trying to, like, bring us. Fa- fa- oh, so the found objects started becoming mixed with these photographs. I started printing the photographs, scanning and printing them on silk, and then I, um would like make these pairings that I call memory pairings. Mm-hmm. And for me, that body of work is ongoing and really important because it's about relationships through time, space, material, like finding each other, but none of them are permanent. Like everything can be reused and re-, re configured uh and you can turn them into something else and I do and like like with all of the even like with like the felting that I make now the process the needle felting process not the wet felting but the needle felting process it is reversible if someone wants to reclaim that wool and make something else they can do it I I don't Mm -hmm. care yeah I mean it was not gonna fall out like you know it's in there market value it's not gonna fall out (laughs) um but it can
2: (laughs) (laughs) oh the lie are <laughs> not making objects for the market
1: uh, no but this is also something i want to talk about because it is such a like that's what i mean about how this was such a joy for me to do this process because i feel like i have been in the last two years i was totally ignored by the, the commercial market for yes. my entire life right yeah. until the last two years and now i'm like in there and how consuming that can be but also how calculating and complicated and um is is exhausting it's so exhausting and you can't even know what you don't know or what to look out for and so I really did miss like it's one of the reasons I joined Soloway too was to make sure that I wasn't like only living in that world because yeah. there's so many versions of the art world and the one that's about ideas
0: quickly tell us what Soloway is just so our listeners oh. know.
1: Yeah. Soloway is an artist collective started eleven years ago by I don't wow. know who all the we're members the same were. Age. Yeah, you guys, did you know Annette? Field Annette? projects. Yeah, did you know Annette? Where? Where in?
0: I don't think so. We know um, Wells. No, Wells we just knew. joined when I joined this yeah. this okay. year. We know okay, this new group. I guess.
2: Okay, so sorry, Soloway. It's an Tell artist
1: collective that like the idea was to do something you know kind of philosophically beautiful about the arts like you know like let um create a space for ideas experimental things not market based like not market driven and it's been that ever since someone always lives in the back there's like a little back room um the gallery you know creates space for the members of the collective to either curate or show their own work, depending on what they want to do. So everybody does different things. But I only joined in September, but it's been really, um, it's been really nice because the the work and the members are very thoughtful, and it it, it gives that outlet for um, thought thoughts and ideas mm. in that world that where I you know I like to live a lot of the time. So yeah. and
0: um, that's where you're. The show that you curated was that, right?
1: that's where the show of my dad's work is. So my dad, before he died, you know, around 2010 or 11, handed my sister and me a box of, like, hundreds of photos that we had never seen before in our life and just said, here, make me a famous artist. (laughs) But in this box were the weirdest things we had ever seen. And I was, like, honestly, I had no context for it. I wasn't in the art world. I just put it under my bed and, like, was like, Dad, like, I think it's, like, illegal to, like, even – Show these. Yeah, I can't... I shouldn't even have these HIPAA, like... I don't know. Because it was work with patients. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He would take out people's gallbladders, which they needed out. So, I mean, good on them. But then he would, like, uh, without consent, create a little assemblage, collage photo with their gallbladder in the or while they were like asleep on the table and like he would write their name in calligraphy he would try to tailor them to the person's (laughs) likes preferences etc like if they were a hunter it might have like a deer or an elk and we lived in like big hunting territory um or if they were like um so they
2: were portraits Kind of. Yeah, Yeah.
1: definitely. And they're definitely like there's a lot like of humor and levity that you can read in them if you see them. And I wish I had asked him a million more questions about them now. But um, I always knew that they were kind of wild and amazing, but I didn't know how. I just had no idea how to even start with the legal part or.
0: Hmm. um, He also seems like he's like a little bit zany. And, yeah, he seems like he's he's kind of a wild guy or he something was, like he that. He was he's a wild
1: guy.
2: He was a wild guy. Marches
0: to his own drum. And Definitely. So de- well,
2: but he's, like, super playing with the space between the legality of owning your own organs after they're taken out and, like, are the parts of your body, do they really belong to you was, afterward? Yeah. Like, he
1: wasn't yeah. doing that, but the work is doing that. <laughs> the work is doing that. The work was, is, is
0: doing that. I was, yes, was going to say, that's what you would write in the press release, Chris, who's <laughs> always thinking about that. Well,
1: that was what I yeah. was thinking about, because yeah. there are these surgeons that were, like, yeah. signing their names in people and stuff, and so there was this lawsuit about the organs yeah. are actually yeah. your body, yeah. even if they are not connected to you anymore, or if they're right. not identifiable by any other means. So I was concerned that there was, like, a legal like loophole there that
2: images too yeah this is all
1: and the thing about it is he made two copies of each one so all the patients got one because he thought they would love that and uh, maybe they did no one told me they didn't but no one told me they did so no one told me anything at all um so (laughs) so you worked with a
0: lawyer to yeah i talked to a
1: lawyer to see like what my you know responsibility was and he said the best thing to do would be to contact people which is interesting Mm because I tried to I had my best friend's mom who still lives in the town send me phone books Wow. Remember those? Oh. And oh I tried to look up and call people, but yeah. women don't get to be in phone books if they're married. Their names are not listed. They're under oh. men's names, mm. which is fucking bullshit. Do you think
0: there was sexism back then?
1: I And I, still? And still? <laughs> yes. The second problem was nobody uses landlines anymore. So, like, I'm yeah. calling these numbers and, like, I don't know. Yeah. No one's listening or answering. But I did leave a few messages which was also I wish I had recorded like (laughs) hi like 20 years ago you maybe had your gallbladder out my dad might have taken it you don't know who I am but i'm making an art show and i'd love to put you in it and like if this isn't creeping you out call me back at this number i swear it's not a scam and like three people called me back wow yeah oh my
2: god what happened with them um
1: the one guy was super nice he's like oh and he had the same name as this guy that went to high school with my sister so on his message i was like by the way are you the one that went to school with my sister and so he called me back he's like hey Yeah, no, it wasn't me that went to school with your sister. I think you guys went to Christian, and I went to public. Because those are the only two schools in my town,
3: Mm, public mm -hmm. and
1: Christian. That's it. And he's like, but I think it's really nice what you're doing for your dad, and, like, you can totally use mine or whatever. And so I was like, thanks. Thanks, guy. I love it. Um, And the
2: other two were evil.
1: No, the other (laughs) two were good. One guy was like, you have the wrong John Doe. And I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. There was two, I guess. Maybe Mm. four. I don't know. And then the other one was like, "You can totally use it, but can you like call me back and tell me more about what this is?" Seems fair. Don't really. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So I did, but didn't answer. Didn't have an answering machine. That's the thing. Nobody has answering machines. Yeah. Too. Like even if you have a landline, because Comcast makes you have one in order to have internet. Because I don't know what the benefit of that triple play deal is but they real push it hard yeah. um the so but a lot of people have answering machines so it just rings and rings rings and so when I called him back the second time it just rang rang rang. rang. But the one guy did follow me on Instagram so I know he knows about the show cool. great yeah wow. his is the one
0: tell us tell yes.
1: us of the gallbladder coming out of a really gross toilet
0: <gasps> oh yes <laughs> I remember that
1: I could Call him back and ask him if he had any insight about like why like did they have a conversation? Is there like a a story? I don't know. I'll have to ask my dad. I mean, I'll have to ask
0: potty humor.
1: Yeah. Well, my dad loved potty humor. My dad's humor was like, oh my
0: god, (laughs) oh dear. I mean, you could just see the show and you can and you'll get an idea. A little bit of a yes. Yeah. So that's
1: that show. I'm really excited about it. We have one more weekend this Saturday and Sunday. Um, will be the last two days. Everyone, make
2: sure that you go. Please
1: come. Last what two are days, the hours? When is it open? It's open Saturdays and Sundays from 12 to 5. Okay. Sometimes 12.05 okay. to
2: 5. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's sort of. That's yeah. right. hmm Yeah.
0: So so get, go at
2: 12.30 beyond. Yeah. I was
0: going to say yes. <laughs> Give me
2: a freaking break. Let me get a coffee.
0: <laughs> and if, you're, if you're going near the end, make sure to get there at 4 because we're closing the doors at 5.
1: Well, like yeah. Some people come at like 4.30. In 440. Yeah. Actually, you only need about five minutes to see the show. It <laughs> is a small space, but it's, a, you know, small but mighty. And
2: whereabouts is Soloway? It is near
1: the Marcy Avenue stop in Williamsburg or the Metropolitan Lormer stop Sweet. in okay. Williamsburg. It's on mm-hmm. South 4th Street. Cool. So, yeah. And there's a good little coffee place on the corner and they make crepes. Broadway. And that's on where the G. you'll
2: find Melissa. I will be there at 12 o'clock. 12 till <laughs> 5. Ish. no no no! i'm at the coffee shop oh yeah Uh, at 12 uh, o'clock i'll definitely be at the coffee shop and at 1205
1: you'll see me struggle actually if you come at 1205 i would love it because you'll see me struggling to open the gate and like i have been so blessed that every single time someone feels bad for me and helps me lift that gate (laughs) because i can't do
0: it and sort of people have been interested in your work so much that you've You've sort of entered another aspect of the art world, yeah. which is an artist who is making their living off of their yes, art. That's yes,
1: that's new. I was able to, like, quit my full-time job for the first... I've always had a full-time job. That's yeah. a yeah. thing. It's a thing, you know. It's,
0: it's like... a thing we all do. Um,
1: yeah. I still do. I just... Now I get paid for, like, a different job than I had before, which is nice. It's a really amazing thing. And mm-hmm. I'm, I feel, like, really lucky to be in that position. It may not last forever, because this is a fickle part of world. the art world. Yeah. Um but um you know I also want to say like as as challenging and complicated and sometimes annoying as it is, it's also a dream like I want my goal as an artist is to be part of these conversations where like contemporary dialogue like I want I want to mm. be doing that yeah. I, I I everybody everybody doesn't want to do that like so that that's that's fine but i i really do like i want i like i do these interviews for bomb magazine when there are artists that i really love like i really like being able to be engaging in things like this that we're doing right now things like curating because then it lets me know what's happening like have my finger kind of on the pulse of like what's going on because the stuff that's happening in this open call is the stuff that we're going to see you know very soon in this other commercial space it's just like ahead of it's ahead you guys always find all the big people <laughs> before they're big people in the yep. commercial space. That's what Field Projects does.
0: We want to find great art. Yeah. And we yeah. don't care if nobody knows about you. Exactly. <laughs> and but
1: that's brilliant. I mean, I mean, and that's like that's inspirational and exciting. And I, I it's it's fun. That's what I love about doing this experience is that I have found some amazing artists that I never heard of before. And like I can't believe I didn't know mm-hmm. that this was happening. And, and now yeah. I know.
0: And now yeah. you follow them on Instagram. I will follow them on Instagram.
1: I will put them in the show. I will, you know. And right. I also want to talk about the show because obviously I have to make some deep cuts. And it hurts. My heart
2: hurts. There's been a lot of talk about the pain of cutting things throughout mm-hmm. the open call process. Yeah, It's always really painful. It hurts. Yes.
1: My, it hurts my heart a lot because there's amazing work. Yeah. That doesn't like can't like, you know, we have a you have like a beautiful but small gallery. Right. And it's I don't think it does any it it does some maybe justice for like exposure, but it doesn't do justice to the work on like it doesn't respect the work itself to cram it in in a way that it doesn't make sense or it doesn't it's not thoughtfully. Exhibited, and so I, 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 we're not done yet, we're only in round two, and there's probably gonna be a few more rounds. But like, I know by the end, I will have cut work that I really deeply love and admire.
3: Yeah,
1: um, and it's not because the work wasn't good, and it's not because the work is shouldn't be exhibited somewhere in New York, it's just that you know, these are the limitations of group shows, open calls, and small spaces
0: yeah and on, and chris chris and i like to be there because we want to see these artists and put them in future shows i want to do maybe you can move into talking about um intuition
2: oh yes and also i mean we we can wrap up the conversation we were just having though if you want yeah. about just like how difficult it, yeah. is. it really is difficult to cut things. but i think
0: intuition comes into that and, yeah and so you yeah. can make that jump
2: yeah
1: perfect cool Oh, I was going to say that Field Projects does what I really like about this experience and like I really do admire Field Projects and what you do and how you when people apply, their application doesn't just get cut and then disappear. There are other opportunities that you make for artists. It is really important work that you're doing. Like for real. So, um, so what has been nice now is if there's someone, there's an online exhibition that will happen simultaneously. Or so if there's something that's you know I would love to put in the show, but it just won't fit. Um, some of them not all of them but some of them can be made if they you know work together nicely into an online exhibition and then even beyond that just field projects which has a pretty large instagram following exposure can post them in on the blog either like as a as a post or in a story so a lot of people will be able to be getting exposure even if they're not in this particular show or in the online show and they'll be kept in like the pocket for a potential later show that they might be a great fit for or for a solo show down the road Mm so it's it's a really good system where artists are not just putting their stuff into a black hole that it is being cataloged and kept for other possibilities later
0: yeah we so we keep an archive of everybody of everything anything anybody has sent to us and we try to tag them with things that that'll make a that we're interested in that we're going to come back to Something very even simple is just like a um, a figurative show. Right? Yeah. Just like that's just a simple tag that, yeah. you know, and then I'm like, oh, I'm going to go back in and the archive and look at just figurative stuff because that's what I'm thinking about yeah. right now. And here are mm-hmm. 200 options. And yeah.
1: it's, I think that's like what a great place to start because as soon as someone says like, hey, do you know any figurative artists? My mind goes blank. Yeah. Like it literally empties out. Yeah. There's nothing in that room in the memory palace. Yep. It's so. so nice
2: we have <laughs> these, like, brain extension tools, like computers and phones. Yes. yes. Yeah. Thank <laughs>
1: God. Instagram, which is, like, half my yeah. brain at yeah. this point. It's the only way I can survive. Um, no. <laughs>
0: um,
1: yeah. And then, like, ultimately, like, the decision making at the end, like, it is, like I said, it's so painful. Because, like, Oh. There are people I know, there are people that I don't know, but I know their work because I'm an insane Instagram person, so I just have been following so many people for so long. And... Um I I think I follow, like, almost 8,000 people right now on Instagram. Wow. So many that I can't even click on the followers button and see my follow people I follow. It just says error. (laughs) So, um, that's how many people I follow. And so, like, I'm seeing people whose work I've been, you know, know, following for a while. And I want to do something with it someday. But that's, you know, neither here nor there. We will make a really great show no matter what. And if you don't get in, please keep applying or um think about you know don't take it personally because it and actually it was an angelica was saying that it was really interesting to watch the process happen yesterday mm-hmm. because it's very it's never personal it's really subjective it's really depends on like the whole group that comes in what are the things that are ideas that are rising to the top how is the juror what does the juror need right now right i'm kind of curating the show i need yeah And the show I need is not necessarily like the show everyone needs or the show that someone would need tomorrow versus last year versus next year. So um, I use um, intuition very much in my studio practice, but I also use it a lot just in life and everything else that I do, which is like a kind of a weird paradox from being disassociated so much, but also like listening to intuition because i think it depends on where you think intuition comes from and i don't know the answer really but i i know how to listen to it Mm -hmm. i don't know how it works i don't know where it's coming from but i know i i know how to hear it
0: and is it a small demonic like voice (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Sorry for my or, weird laugh. <laughs> your laugh is. <laughs> <I said. laughs> so no, but where yeah. do you, you said where do you locate it? Like I always locate it in my body, and I think a lot of people yeah think about that as like their gut.
1: Yeah, like I guess like I guess there is like sort of there is that like sort of gut space um, that occasionally will will. It's like not. It's quiet until it's not, right? Mm-hmm. And then when it's not, then you know you should probably pay attention. But I, I don't. Know. I feel like I cha- I'm a channel or a conduit for things, for something, for wisdom, memory, knowledge, stuff that I have that I, I don't have any reason to have, no business having or knowing. Sometimes things just like come out of my hands or out of my mouth, and I don't know where it comes from. When I do numerology, that happens. I'm in, I do numerology. Maybe after this podcast, we can do all of our numerology. <gasps> all, right. Um, all right. And you'll see, like, I'll be able to tell you things about yourself. And I have no business to know these things. I don't know where this information is coming from. It's just coming through me, and then it's coming to you. And that's, like, what happens a lot with my practice, and that's what I will try to lean into when I'm doing the, like, the last, last cuts on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, cool but it's a super important thing for me and it's it's also taken me a long time to be able to like respect that as a valid place for like knowledge to come from and mm. for because we are in like i don't not value other methods and other like types of research I very much do. I love learning about aphids and ants. I love learning about, right? Like the like how felt you, was originally yeah. made. Yeah. But I You don't
0: disbelieve in science. I it's do just...
1: not disbelieve in science. <laughs> I actually love science. It's... I just found out this is like a total like left Left turn right now, but my mom just sent me this article about how immunotherapy was able to cure rectal cancer in like five different people. Oh wow! Um, wow. Like completely. So anyway, immunotherapy is—I mean—is is the future. Um, <laughs> I hate cancer. Fuck cancer. Um, back to art, though. <laughs> um, I like there is. I, I think intuitive medicine is also just as valid as immunotherapy, right? So I, I really, I, I'm, I like to mix the two, but I do. I do tend to lean towards the intuitive, and that's just, like, my, because of, I guess, like, my experience or, like, how I move through the world.
2: Yeah, and, I mean, it brings us back to the conversation about death earlier, too, in a way, because lately, because of everything with Roe v. Wade, I've been doing more reading about just, like, gynecological history and, like, the birth of gynecology and the way that was so much about kicking out communal care, kicking out um, midwives, Midwives. kicking out, like, all of the sort of support system and network that was so much a part of this. It's not that that was holistic medicine, but this, like, much more... um, Integrated. Yes, integrated kind of therapeutic and comforting space. yeah, And communal, Um, like yeah but also
3: like more than one, and just
2: yeah but also generational like
1: right you're yes. cutting out yes. generational yeah. knowledge wisdom ancestral knowledge and this is like what if you if you cut it out then you're like just slowing your progress like by decades maybe centuries like i think like if you watch a giraffe give birth it just walks around and walks yeah. around and walks around like the other giraffe will like be near support animal great um but eventually the the giraffe the yeah. baby giraffe is just like gonna drop out like and then you think about how modern medicine says childbirth is supposed to happen there's no like it's working against gravity it's working against like like everything that we know or we can even like in, like intuitively just watch, know, intuitively yeah. know. Yeah. like gravity is like one of the few things that we cannot beat right, right. like no matter what we do right. even well, temporarily
2: modern- the dominant cultural move in science is to sort of anesthetize any kind of communal support to put a focus on, like, the individual and individual health, and it really, I think, is detrimental in many ways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because of the mechanisms of the way that science developed, like during the Enlightenment and whatever.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's bum- It's like it's not a bummer. It's like fucking tragic, like, because people are suffering, like
2: tremendously. Because yeah, of I it. mean, we're in a pandemic still, even if we don't want to say that we are. Okay. Well, I'm glad that we covered birth and death. Mm-hmm.
0: And-, <laughs> and like, well, that I think that's an well, easy that's, segue yeah. to to the window series that you're working that you've worked on for a long time
1: thanks yeah um so the windows started i guess like i started well i spent a lot of my life in airplanes because Mm -hmm. you know family halfway around the world like i had my first birthday in india so that was like my first transatlantic trip um and i think like i never stopped flying i have like passports going you know through the years that are it's Whatever passport history is also really interesting, but it has to be another podcast. Oh, um, come back! Yeah, yeah, passports are actually have a very anti-Semitic history and are very problematic oh. in a lot of ways. Um, and Not surprising for women right. too. I could
2: have a, we could have a whole long talk about this, uh-huh. <laughs> 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 but, we, but we won't. We won't right now. Keep your ears open for yeah. <laughs> like another time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so <laughs> the the, <laughs> um, the but but the windows. I, I you know I I would photograph windows. Everybody does, you know, this is like something that I think ties everyone Mm -hmm. together. And like this idea of like, why people are on planes is so wide and varied, you know, but anybody who has like a diaspora adjacent family, or even like global is a global citizen, like will have experience like sitting in these airplanes and they can have any number of emotions that like come with it like for mm-hmm. my dad it was a much more fraught sort of view for me it was more always anticipatory or you know sort of like yeah exciting yeah. um but they you know if you're being deported obviously it's going to have another thing if you're like fleeing for any other reason from you know if you're you know going into exile versus going on a vacation or to be reunited with someone it's going to have a different um connotation but the idea of these windows um as a space like for me as someone who is biracial it's important because like it's it's like a one time where the physical space matches my physical body of being like in an in-between like I'm not in one or the other space and I never get to like fully occupy either of the like parts of my Mm
3: -hmm.
1: heritage because like I don't like phenotype I don't fit into one and then um like grow like where I was actually born and raised I don't fit into one so it's like for that reason it's a comforting space when I'm not having like a claustrophobic episode uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I started um in April I got my vaccine and I was being kind of hopeful after not being able to travel being like right. forced to be grounded for so long to try to like make I was hopeful that I might get to travel again and so I was I, were, I found these old images that I had taken when I was traveling back and forth. I used to teach at an international high, uh, school in Rome, and I would travel sometimes back and forth from there. So I had these pictures, and I started making felts first from the airplane windows. I do, I have two 8-foot felts that are going to be in a show at the Brattleboro Museum that opens on the 18th of June. Cool. Congratulations. They're, thank you. That's I'm excited about it. Sarah Freeman and um, another woman whose name I'm blanking on right now um, – sorry uh curated it with five artists who are working in felt and so i'm really excited to show these for the first time they're they're each four feet by eight feet and they they're the exact same airplane image window but like a few minutes apart and the Mm -hmm. color palette shifts wow in a huge way because when you're like at sunrise Mm -hmm. or sunset on a plane a couple of minutes means a totally different color palette and it was it's like you know it's a way of marking time and um but the um the windows sort of became this sort of hopeful project for me but then immediately almost omicron or delta or one of them the strains like sort of crushed it whatever one came like in may or june of last year so then then they became about something else and then in the research i found out that the that When they made some commercial planes early on, they tried to make square windows, but the pressure would crumble Mm -hmm. the planes. Mm -hmm. So then all of a sudden, like, the round, that, like, oblong, whatever shape, became a symbol of just strength and the ability to withstand pressure for me. So then, like, it didn't even matter anymore whether they were windows or not. They were just sort of these, like, strength, these, like, symbols Mm of of the ability to withstand Resilience Resilience. Yeah. Resilience Thank yeah. you Yeah And so it was the
0: arch Right like Yeah It's the, the, the arch It's the, the, arch.
1: The, the lack of corners The circle Or an or any yeah. sort of Anything without corners Can take pressure From all sides And yeah. you know They're doing that In the kiln Like I'm witnessing it happen In real time also Because like The ones that don't have You know The, the ledges Are like Like the flat
3: mm-hmm.
1: Sort of slabs Crack and warp And what But if you make that Window shape it's like you can drop them, most of them, and they will—they will survive. I know. This is, mm-hmm. I tried. Not <laughs> suggesting. <laughs> I'm not suggesting to like throw it down like a football, but like I—I uh, uh, I have some might have fallen, it's been dropped um, uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> by somebody. By somebody, yeah. yeah. Um. So no, and so they became sort of this, and like the it became very meditative for me to make them, and you know, I clay is not my main medium but I'm learning a lot about it through through these processes um and like the glaze experience, experience were really um like painting for me and mm-hmm. I, I think my work is always going to be in a relationship with painting even though I'm an object maker at my core
3: mm-hmm.
2: so
1: I don't know I could go on forever and I don't want people to fall asleep
2: <laughs> it just reminds me of this this term senshit do Ooh. you know this uh uh-uh. uh tell us it's more it's this like, it's the German word for sort of like yearning and desire and longing and like the space outside of the window and this kind of like minimalist like this is beautiful oh this is also like totally in your aspirational minimalist project yes. <laughs> <laughs> these windows are <laughs> the like those like are they the aspirational
1: are. minimalist yeah. project <laughs> i am an aspirational minimalist <laughs> I, I fail every day at it and i just keep going back
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah but there's something about the slices of time through this window that are you're going to be showing in this show that make me think about that kind of the resilience and the desire and the, like, longing that is in that. Yeah. They're really... That's beautiful. I can't wait to see the show. I'm excited. Thank you.
1: Thank you, thank you. I'm very excited, and I I hope people, you know, can take what they need from them one thing that's important about the windows though is that i do want people to imagine being with me on the inside like oh. looking out as opposed to looking in oh. it's important um. the looking out because i think oh. after covid
0: and they're concave right they, a bit. they're yeah. a little bit yeah yeah
1: yeah but it's like that's like the only thing i ask people to bring to it is like please like pretend you're looking out it's, mm-hmm. you know we mm-hmm. i don't know we spent like i spent a lot of like COVID looking out but like into other people's
2: lives lives through zoom
1: through Mm, window literally the windows in my apartment like um so it's like this idea to be looking out at at like
0: yeah and longing for sure
1: for sure so
0: i always think of airplanes as as what we have for time machines right now Mm -hmm. right like you start someplace you're inside and it's like a and it's like. Clearly a machine is mm-hmm. happening and it's, it's warping time. Like you're going from one time zone to another. Yeah. Or
1: like, well, I mean, in a super, super slow way, like relativistically it is to, you're slowing down. Like yes. when you accelerate and
0: decelerate, you
1: are either, you know, mm-hmm. um, I and mean, you're, you're, you're
0: folding space. You're folding space. I mean, you're space. just folding space. Yeah. <laughs> no big deal. As far as I understand it, I get on the plane and then I get off the plane <laughs> yeah. and I'm somewhere else at a different time. But you're also a
1: different age. <laughs> and a different person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your time will be a tiny bit different.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. You
1: know, slower.
0: Yeah. So I think that's a that's an interesting place to locate yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you're right. It's a, it is. It's, I, I don't know. You know, it's interesting because, like, again, going back to, like, philosophical art world versus commercial art world, like, this work is really important for me to make. Yeah. But, like, people went to the show I did with the airplane windows and, like, we just want to buy the felt work. Right. Like I'm like the whole show is about fucking windows, and you're like there's two felt pieces, and like, like mm-hmm. we don't care, we just want to buy the felt, you know. Right. So mm-hmm. that that part can be discouraging because yeah. the commercial part does not engender the type of like experimental making that I yeah. Really, but that's
2: love. why it's so important that you continue to engage the way that you are. You're doing yeah. it, yeah. But, but yeah. it's it's an important reminder, right? yeah. Like you can't let. You can, but then you might be miserable if you just let yeah. market desires drive you, yeah, yeah, like what you're doing. And
1: I've had plenty of people try to counsel me away from doing some of these other things. Right. But I just, like, I mean, it took me, like, I, at this point, like, no. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: it's also, like, a mix of things. Like, you're not just stuck doing one thing or the other yeah. thing you're doing a lot of different things
1: and my dream class to teach if i ever could would be called content as medium because like i don't believe i'm not just ever going to work in one material right. it's like it's about like this idea that's like manifesting itself in as many ways as possible and then until you get closer to right we're just constantly getting closer to the plato's chair or whatever
0: <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> yeah. i the school that i went to also was very much the concept comes first and then through the concept you decide what kind of medium you're going to use but that is not... I was surprised to go to other schools and see the separation of painting, yeah. sculpture, um, right. whatever. Right, it just video. doesn't make it's, sense. It doesn't make but sense. But
1: I also learn from the material what is the right material. Like, you know, mm. like, I, I, like the material teaches you a lot of stuff. It's actually a little bit seductive to be just... You could just keep learning from the material and then get lazy on your concept we actually talked about this yesterday because i feel like i need to level up conceptually it's like time i'm ready to take like a step but i've been a little bit leaning into the material like mm-hmm. the seduction of the material and like i'm going to now at this residency this summer i'm going away to like really like discipline myself to try to do that
0: Fight that big boss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: What's the residency? Tell us. It's called
1: the Archie Bray Foundation, and it's okay. a ceramics residency in Montana.
2: Cool.
0: Um. So Ooh,
2: get away. Get I will away be from in
1: nature. I will reground. I will try to come Good. back into my body if I can find it. Um, <laughs> things like this.
2: Cool. that sounds amazing that does sound amazing
0: thank you so much for doing our oh. our open call being our guest judge thanks
2: for inviting and being me being on our podcast and thanks for inviting podcast. me to both
1: things yes and for yeah. being fun to work with and hang out with
0: yeah <laughs> we do our best I feel like I
2: could listen to you talk about your work forever oh. too yes oh, Yeah. unfortunately I can probably keep going because I <laughs> never <laughs> shut up awesome well thank you Melissa and thanks, also Jesse. don't ever shut up okay yes <laughs> We just got back from our awesome interview and we still have Melissa Joseph with us. Hi. So, woo hey.
0: Special guest.
2: Special guest. Special guest to the go Seeds. Yeah.
0: So, First um, and only.
2: I love go-sees. No. <laughs>
0: you love going to see things. I do. Yeah,
2: we do too. <laughs> so so um, maybe we should get started with you since you're our guest. Oh, that's very nice of you.
1: OK. I will rattle off a few because there are many. I think Nicole Eisenman show at one of those big galleries in Chelsea that I can't remember. So mm-hmm. Hauser, <laughs> Wait, they're all the same.
0: Who's Nicole Eisenman? Is that is that somebody we should know?
1: <laughs> I don't <laughs> know. She You're hasn't terrible. got
0: any attention recently. No,
1: I don't know the difference between Hauser and Twerner.
0: <laughs> oh, sorry. okay. Yeah. It's at one of them. I forget which one. Gakosian. They're
1: all the damn same. It's it's pretty um, amazing though. It is an amazing show. She's an amazing painter, um, so I would see that. There's
0: a crazy sculptures there too. Right? There
1: are crazy sculptures. Yeah. There's a show I really want to see um, at Forty Seven Canal. It's a artist named A J Curian. I haven't seen that one yet, so disclaimer: I have not seen it, but I really want to see it. It looks amazing. It's called Missing Home, so it's right up in our send shit yeah. combo. Oh God, that's
2: so good. Um. Oh, and it's out
1: Hauser and Wirth. The okay. Nicole Eisman. Thank Great. you. Thank you for checking. Um I did I um, I went to there's a Nam June Pike show also at Gagosian, I think. That was also interesting. Nam June uh-huh. Pike. Uh-huh. And Shaquith at Yasi Milo. Um, and Terry Adkins show at Paula Cooper was also. Cool.
2: Very good. Awesome. And did you see some of those you saw some of those. i saw most of those the only yeah. one i didn't
1: see is the one um the the, the aj one yeah friends. 47 Canal. Mm-hmm. um oh and my friend and laura curated a show at trotter and shoulder that's closing after this week and it's it's a beautiful show uh with Shima golden and melanie luna and a few other artists
2: it's it's a really lovely show. cool awesome Chris. those are great yeah oh what, i only I only have one go see, Mm -hmm. um, and my one go see is that you should all go see Alexandra Rubenstein at Mother Gallery, the show is called The Moon Also Rises, um, and that's opening Thursday, so tomorrow from six to eight at Mother. Go see it, you'll see me there, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Yay!
0: (laughs) And I only have one too, which is at Pioneer Works, which is, it's been up for a little while, but it's still up. It comes down on July 10th, and it's We Are But One, Briar P. Orange.
1: Okay. Oh, I have another one.
0: Oh, great. Yeah, yeah tell us
3: another one.
1: Marcus Leslie Singleton at
2: Tennis Elbow Journal, whatever that one is. Cool. That's awesome. That's All right.
0: That's great. Okay, okay, look for him in the show notes if you. Yep,
2: check out the show notes below and um thanks so much for listening everyone
0: and thank you melissa thanks Thank you
2: for melissa. having me on and have a good week everybody podcast, the yeah. best thing to do
0: yeah. <laughs> and ready okay we're okay. all gonna say field pod one two three field, field pod, pod! <laughs> i feel like a cheerleader <laughs> we're dorks we are cheerleaders we're, field we're totally cheerleaders, cheerleaders. <laughs>
2: Please, it's coming Jacob. for you. It's
1: right over there.
0: Where now it's in your face.
1: Is it really? Oh, did you get it? Ah, oh, you <laughs> it so good!
0: Okay. Good job. Put Excellent it on your job. I saw sorry. that. Yes. Well don't <laughs> It's okay. I dead mosquito on my blanket better than a live one flying around.
1: <laughs> that was some Miyagi <laughs> shit.